Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 125. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you ready to rock your restaurant with Sales Stars? Well, you better be because Sales Stars is a game-changing staff training system that doubles and even triples your sales while providing unforgettable dining experiences for your guests. You have got to learn more, and you can do that by going to restaurantrockstars.com. Get on it. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Steve McHugh. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Oh, definitely feeling unstoppable. <laughs> All right. I cannot. No, slow. <laughs> no slowing me down. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. I cannot wait to get your story. So let me just give a quick introduction, Chef, and I'll pass it over to you. Okay. Wisconsin native and Culinary Institute of America graduate, McHugh kicked off his culinary career in New Orleans. It wasn't long before Besh Restaurant Group was able to capitalize on McHugh's passion. His work with Besh brought him to Austin, where he would eventually settle his roots. Chef McHugh has overcome some of the most serious challenges life can throw at you, specifically his brutal battle with cancer, which he seems to have beaten. Today, he is the chef proprietor of Cured, located in Pearl, San Antonio's culinary center. Cured has been named one of the top 50 for America's Best New Restaurants 2014 by Bon Appetit, as well as one of the six select runners-up for Esquire's 2014 Food and Drink Awards, America's Best Restaurant. Chef, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you've accomplished. Let me pass it over to you now to kind of get the big picture of, you know, when you knew that this industry wasn't going to be just a job for you, but your career and kind of how you got to where you are today. Well, I think, you know, growing, I grew up in a really small town in Wisconsin. We had about 1,600 people growing up. And, and um, you know, I really didn't know uh, chefs. You know, there wasn't something I was exposed to early on. But I, I, I did jump into kitchens at an early age. When I was 14, I started washing dishes. And, you know, I just kind of, I really just loved the camaraderie. I felt you know, I felt like I was around like-minded people, you know, maybe, maybe we weren't the best students or, you know, the, the best football, you know, we didn't play for the football team or whatever, you know, I'm not saying I was an outcast, but at the same time, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you're not sure what your path is. And I, I just felt really good around these guys I was working with, you know, mm -hmm. these, these people and I'm washing dishes and I wanted to get on that line and start cooking with those guys. And, you know, it was, it, would, it just kind of grabbed me and, you know, and so, I graduated high school and I, I did the typical thing, go to college, try and study something, you know, but it just wasn't for me. It never was really much of a sit down and learn kind of person. And uh, so I left after a year and, and I was just kind of kicking around and I was working a couple of restaurant jobs back in my hometown. And, and, you know, thank God, you know, my dad, he saw it and he, you know, he suggested that I go to culinary school and, and mm. It's one of those things where, you know, like I said, I didn't know what a chef was. I said, well, you know, I, I'm going to be a chef. You know, I mean, the chefs I knew were, were kind of ex-biker, 
you know, <laughs> on the next, you know, halfway to prison kind of guys, you know. And so I went to CIA and boy, was it an eye opening experience. It was just un- I, I did not know what I was getting into. And it was one of the greatest things, probably one of the greatest gifts my dad's ever given me is 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 that advice. Awesome. And I really like to dig as deep as I can on these interviews. And uh, you said, you know, you were working as a dishwasher. That's how you got your start in your hometown. Was there a specific time um, that really just resonated with you? You said it was being around these people, that just, you know, the, the happy, positive energy. Like, is there one experience that really just sticks out to you that really made you just fall in love with the hospitality industry? You know, grow, I grew up on a, a kind of an old defunct dairy farm. And, and um, so at an early age, um, my dad, you know, we had to work, we had to go out and do chores and we had to do things. And, you know, uh, uh, when you're young, you don't see the, the value in it. And you mm-hmm. think, that, you know, this is ridiculous. I want to, you know, I want to be out, you know, shooting BB guns or riding my, my motorcycle or mm-hmm. three wheeler or whatever it is. And, you know, it's not until you get out into the real world and you're working around people and you realize that, you know, I learned very early on that I had a work ethic that other people didn't mm-hmm. have. And, uh, it's, it's, it's so valuable it's still to this day, I feel like, um, because of the way my parents were, uh, even at age 14, 15, 16 years old, you're out working guys that are twice your age, mm-hmm. whether you're washing dishes or chopping vegetables, because, you know, I, I, I've always taken pride in everything I've done. And, and it was the first time in my life I'd ever been around other people in a work environment that just didn't have that same pride. And so I felt, uh, I felt that, um, I was going to excel, you know, Mm. I felt really good. And, and, um, you know, it's even, even as somebody that washes dishes, you know, and I, I, I started out washing dishes at a youth camp that, Mm. that would, would cater to, you know, thousands of kids during the summer. And when, when you've got the people working with you, putting you on the hardest station in the dish room, because you're the fastest and the most proficient and, you know, (laughs) you really feel good about Mm. yourself. And, uh, you know, like I said, for a 15-year-old to discover uh, how hard work really pays off is is a magical moment. Mm. Yeah, and you're really lucky to kind of be able to discover that strength that you are, you know, a workhorse. And when you can discover your strengths at a young age like that, I mean, it can really help you get far. And I think you're extremely uh, lucky to have been discovered, you know, to be able to discover that strength. Um, So let's fast forward. You, You graduated the Culinary Institute of America and you went to New Orleans. Um, let's talk about how you, you know, give us some snapshots of how you climbed the, the ladder of success to where you are today, what route you took. Well, New Orleans is amazing. First off, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a city that's steeped in hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, it's what they do. Uh, and, uh, to be around, uh, so many giving people and, and people who just love to eat and love to cook. And, and, you know, my wife's from New Orleans and we always laugh because, you know, people from New Orleans are either talking about where they ate or where they're going to eat next. And that's pretty much pretty much it. You know, food is um, is what everything evolves around there. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, I, you know, I went there on my internship through the CIA. I, I, um, I, I looked at the internship program at CIA as an opportunity to kind of go anywhere in the world. And I said, well, I, I want to go to New Orleans. They know, <laughs> they, know, they know a little something about food down there. And and you can wail on the saxophone, I heard, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not anymore, but <laughs> I did take my sax with me. And I, I started working, you know, I just took a hotel job. I, You know, I, I'd never worked in a hotel before, and it mm. sounded exciting to me, and it was definitely a, a different avenue and, and a, a learning process. And um, I worked with, with some great chefs, and I learned, you know, I learned all about, 
New Orleans food, working at the Hilton Riverside down there on Poydras. I mean, just how to how to peel a crawfish and, and make jambalaya and gumbo for 400 people. I mean, it was just a, it was like going to another country, really. I just uh, just the people, the food, everything was just so different and 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 uh, highly seasoned. I mean, it's just it was amazing. And uh, when I when I graduated CIA, I went back and I I started working. Um, I worked for a couple uh, chefs, Dominique McKay and uh, Chris Brown, who's a, who's a great chef down there in the city. And then I got in with the um, Brennan organization. Mm-hmm. I started I started working with Dickie Brennan at his steakhouse that he opened, and um, it was so much fun. I mean, and, and you know, the Brennan name is synonymous with New Orleans. I mean, they just they take everything just uh, an extra level, and it's a very serious organization, and, and uh, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, so I, I worked with Dickie for two years before I, I moved over and started working with Ralph Brennan at um, a couple of his operations to the point where after about two and a half years, uh, I was his chef de cuisine at uh, his Italian restaurant, Baco. And um, it was at, you know, I was there at Baco and I've been hearing about this chef that had been kind of making waves in this city uh, by the name of John Besh. And he had just opened restaurant August and it was just getting all this rave reviews. And, um, I knew that he was formerly a food and wine, best new chef. And, you know, and so I told my wife, I said, I'd love to go eat, um, lunch at his place, you know? And so we went and it was my wife that said, I think you need to come work here. Mm. You know, she said, uh, you love to study. You love to read. You buy cookbooks like crazy. This guy's doing the food that you study. And um, she was right. You know, I just was just amazed by what he was doing. And, you know, it was it was like eating at a New York restaurant in the in the central business, business district of New Orleans. And so I think it was a couple days later, I put in an application and I got a call about a month later. He was opening his steakhouse and, and he needed a chef. And it was just a. Uh, you know, John and I, we still are really good friends, and we hit we hit it off like friends, and it was 10 years of just, uh, you know, feeding off each other, and, and uh, I learned so much from him. I mean, he's such a passionate person. I, uh, uh, I'd i never been around somebody who was so passionate about really wanting to take care of people. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that just gets it. Yeah, and I was really excited and looking forward to hearing the story because when I was doing my research on you, the path you took, I mean, what you did is exactly what all of our past guest mentors tell us to do. You get your education, and then you just surround yourself by incredible people to learn from and just to, yeah. like you like you said earlier, you have that work ethic. And if you are a workhorse and you want to learn and you'll put the work in and you surround yourself with these people, they will bring you up with them. And, I mean, I think you're just a perfect example. I mean, that's exactly what you did. And um, not only that, but surrounding yourself with incredible people, but you went to a place where you knew you were going to be happy. And that's so incredibly important in this industry because, I mean, you have that passion for uh, jazz, and and you could do more than just work. And Do you think that factored in at all to your success? Yeah, you know, I love to learn, and I I, – I wanted to be challenged and I felt I'd kind of hit a peak with, with Ralph and, 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 you know, I loved working with Ralph, but, you know, I felt like I'd kind of hit a peak and, and I wasn't being challenged anymore. And, mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, I was probably at the time I was 25 years old, 20, 25, 26, and I'd come up very fast within an organization mm-hmm. and I felt like I'd missed a lot of steps. Um, and, um, uh, 
John really pushed me outside of my comfort zone. I mean, really pushed me. He pushes everybody. You know, he wants everyone to to to, to be great, and um, he, he's he's gonna he's gonna outwork you. He's not, the, <laughs> you know, he's not he's not sitting at home on his ass. I mean, he's 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 putting in more time than you are, and you feel like I got to keep going. You know, chef's here. He's working. I got to keep going. And and he, you know, he really just gets the best out of the people that he works with, and awesome. he, he's. He's a magician like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chef, I usually like to spend about 10 minutes in the beginning part of this interview. We have to move on. And I don't want to because you're giving us some <laughs> great stories. But and I think we're going to learn more about Cured, too, your current restaurant as the interview goes. But before we get there, I really want to get that motivational, inspirational ball going. And we're going to have you share a success quote or mantra to do that. What do you have for us today? Well, I, I'm a huge fan. You know, speaking of service, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, Danny Meyer, mm-hmm. and you know, and I, I, I quote him a lot. And, and one of the things I love to tell, uh, especially my servers and, and people, is you know, Danny, he explains, and I'll probably screw it up, but he explains service as the ability to get pleasure out of giving pleasure. And you know, as chefs, we need to feel good. We need to feel happy. We want to look out into the dining room and see smiling faces and. And, uh, you know, I always tell people when I walk up to a table and the table's quiet, to me, that's a good thing because they are definitely into what's going on on those plates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I, uh, Danny's just a, you know, amazing uh, person at, at, at motivating others and, and, and really taking care of people. And uh, I love reading uh, anything that any little bits and pieces that he's written or uh, any interviews that he does because I always get a little tidbit out of um, – uh, what he's got another another great quote of his it's it's a little and like i said i'll probably screw it up but um you know we're all looking for that perfect that perfect meal and you know we want to be taken back to the first two minutes of our lives when we're born because in the first two minutes of our lives we get a smile we get a hug and then we get some really damn good food <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so true and i think what he does so well is he just reminds us all and he brings it back to the basics it's all about hospitality and at the end of the day hospitality is just about caring and just being there for others and being warm and generous and uh i think we can all learn a lot from the master danny meyer so <laughs> he you know he's one of those guys that you know he reverses it he's you know it's the employee the customer's not always right the employee is you know take care of your employees yes they will take care of your customers your Absolutely. customers take care of your uh you know, your owners. And you so, it, man. I love it. All right. So now we got to talk about you. Danny Myers is great, but you're great too. And I want to find out what it is about you, chef Steve, that makes you so great. So tell me what your it factors are that contribute to your success. My, my wife says it's seasoning. Um, you know, that's the new Orleans in her coming out. You know, she says that I'm, I'm a very seasoned chef and that <laughs> I didn't try and open my first restaurant at 24 years old, or I didn't run off and, you know, buy a food truck because I felt like I was better than everybody else. I, I, I had patience and I learned and I watched and I, I studied and, um, you know, I, I didn't go out and open this restaurant until I knew I was absolutely ready to, to give, uh, San Antonio and Texas and the world, uh, something that was, that was worthy of me and, and the time I've put in, um, becoming the chef that I am today, you know, and, and, you know, about five years ago, when I moved to San Antonio, I, you know, I came here to open Luke, and lo and behold, I get diagnosed with lymphoma mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, and um, it really, it forced me to kind of uh, 
put his perspective, you know, look at life in a, in a different way. And, and, uh, it's kind of taught me a lot, you know, it's taught me to calm down a little bit and, and relax. And, um, and I, I carry that wherever I go. And even in the restaurant, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the, the crazy hard ass I was working for John in New Orleans. I'm a lot more easygoing now. And, you know, I listen to my employees and, and, uh, you know, I want them to do well. I want them to succeed. I want them, if they're going to leave this restaurant, that they're going to go on and do better things. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very scary thing when, when somebody says you're sick and you, you know, you've got a tumor and you've got a blood cancer and all these things are thrown at you and you, you don't know, you know, what life's going to be like. And so when you, when you get through it, you kind of, uh, you kind of reevaluate a lot of a lot that's going on. Steve, I've got to ask because there might be a lot of people out there that might be kind of facing similar challenges in life, whether you know with health or whatever it might be. How did you like? What did you dig down deep to find to help you, you know, push through this hard time? It, it's <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where your your hands are tied and, and uh, you you're putting all your trust into your doctors mm-hmm. that. You know that things are going to go well, and 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 the one thing that you know my doctor told me was she's just got to stay positive. Mm. You know, and and you know I surround myself with very happy people. Mm. I surround myself with positive people. I, I don't like to be around negative people. Um, uh, you know, it's just the, the continuation of being positive. I, I, you know, I really watched my diet, made sure that that I was as healthy as I could be. Um, you know, I made sure that. Regardless of whether I was hungry or not, I ate because I had to keep my weight on. It was just important to to not wither away. And you know, I did I did uh, eight rounds of chemo that took almost a year. And um, you know, I just I, I just did everything that that the doctors told me, and it was great. You know, to have supportive people, especially like John in my corner, and like I said, my wife and my family, and um, you know, just a lot of friends and, and people and it's it's a, it's a scary thing moving to a new city and being sick at the same time yeah. you know and, and not knowing a, a ton of people and but um you know we pulled through it and and um i think we we whooped a little ass and it, it, it we're really happy with the outcome yeah i mean i think we can, we can all learn just so much from the power of positivity in that story and whether you're you know you're facing a health issue or if you're just you know trying to struggle with opening a restaurant that power of positivity i mean if you're positive you put out that positive energy and it comes back whether it, it, to help you get better or to help you succeed in your restaurant but i mean that's just a, a great lesson to be learned through that story thank you for sharing it and i mean <laughs> i wrote down all these things when you were speaking you said you know your your it factors are you know you're seasoned you know you've been able to marinate around all this wisdom that you've surrounded yourself with your work ethic to really just like overcome uh you know cancer and just to, to be noticed as a hard worker to, to climb up that ladder of success and then you have your perspective and your appreciation for life um can you think of one story where i mean you shared your, your your struggle with cancer but is there another story where one of these other it factors really just shown through and help you get to that next level <clears throat> oh wow you know i you know i look at I attribute it, like I said, I attribute a lot of it to that, um, that work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. going back, I, I, I wasn't always the greatest student in school and, and I've always been a very hands-on person. And I've been in my career surrounded by some of the smartest, uh, chefs 
you know, guys who, who were my sous chefs and guys who I worked with in New Orleans, um, you know, but I've, I've always, you know, I've always had this ability to outwork people. I can keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and uh, for me, it's, it's that drive to, to make sure the job is perfect. I learned a lot about myself. I think a lot of people did, but I learned a lot about myself when uh, Katrina hit New Orleans. When something devastating happens to you or, or your city or, or maybe you, a loss of a loved one or something, it really causes you to reevaluate who you want to be. And, you, you know, we had a lot of people that just got up and left that city. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of people who got off their asses and did something with their lives who, who I thought were, you know, people who were never going to make it in life. And, and, you know, it forces you to, you know, do something. And, mm-hmm. and cooking for people with, side by side with John, you know, we were cooking for uh, FEMA workers and, and uh, you know, I, to get a phone call from him and say, "Hey, I'm going to reopen this this damn restaurant. Do you want to come down and do it?" And I, mm-hmm. I was, I was like, "Let's do it." You know, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. We worked 18, 20 hour days side by side. You know, there was only a handful of us. I think there was four of us in the kitchen and maybe two people in the dining room. And we opened restaurant in August. You know, mm-hmm. and but it was one of the most rewarding things because you learn how important your job is as a chef you learn how important food really is when 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 that's pretty much all somebody has to comfort them mm. and how happy were the people to see you guys open to see oh goodness they're just just amazed you know and we, and we didn't even have a bartender i remember you know john just said the bars the bar is on an honor system if you want to drink go make it you want some <laughs> go for it, you know and drop some money in the cup and and you know, you'd literally people would drop hundred dollar bills in there because they just felt so appreciative of what we were doing. You know, they didn't want to eat the little, you know, military meals anymore. The whatever they're called, <laughs> and uh, I forget we ate so many of them. I forgot what they're called now. I don't ever want to eat one again. But um, you know, but it also it forced you as a chef to to get outside your comfort zone. And and I think John changed the entire way he ran his operation. You know, we became more of a local, sustainable. Um, um, company because you didn't have the big meat houses and seafood houses and Cisco's and mm-hmm. all these places. What you had was a farmer who had a truck full of produce or eggs or some pork loin or something that he needed to sell too. He mm-hmm. was trying to make a living, you know. So one night the menu would be chicken over couscous, and the next night it was you know pork chop on top of asparagus. You know, it was really whatever you could get your hands on, and it was. It was the most uh, interesting learning experience, and I, it, it's one I'll never forget. And it's, it's, it, 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 you know, it, to, to see the faces and the people, it, it drives me to this day to, to kind of capture that again. You know, it's almost impossible to ever capture those feelings again. Chef Steve, I'm so happy you're sharing the story because I want to wrap up this segment with, uh, you know, the it factors and what makes you special with you know, sharing a quote you have about your restaurant being more than a place to get nourishment. It's a place that feeds the soul through your commitment to helping others. And I think you couldn't have told a better story to prove that, you know, that one and final it factor about you, which I, my personally think contributes so much to your success. Yeah, definitely. Awesome stuff. All right. We've heard your it factors, your success story. Now we need to hear, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. You're going to tell us a time, chef, where you just fell hard on your ass when, you know, you just learned something the hard way. You know, what did you learn? What was it that you failed at? And, you know, take us through the, the experience, the learning experience. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, you know, it's back when I was at CIA and, and, you know, 
I didn't have a ton of knowledge when I went there. And um, what's great about that school is they bring everybody up like you know nothing. They start you from scratch, and, and which is great because I didn't know what a stock was. I had no idea, you know, for me a stock was in a jar that you dumped into a pot of water, you know. Um, but they literally they teach you how to hold a knife, and they teach you all these things. Well, uh, <laughs> I had one of the most difficult classes that I ever had there, and it was um, uh, cooking of the Americas, and we were cooking um, – I'm sorry, it was like continental cooking. So it was all about the United States and the different regions. And I got stuck with Hawaii one day. And I had to do this uh, pineapple pork roast in the oven. Well, it never occurred to me that a convection oven had two switches, one to turn it on and one to turn the fan on. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know, but at the CIA, you're not just cooking food and then pulling it out and everybody clapping because it turned out great. You're actually cooking for other students in every class. Um, and depending on what class you're in, it depends on where you go to eat within the school. So you might go to this classroom to eat or you might go to that classroom to eat. And so, you know, let's just put it th- this way. People are counting on you uh, for their meal that day. It's, it's, it's important. <laughs> right. You know, and so the picture. <laughs> after about you know, three hours or so, I go to check my roast and realize that the oven's cold and I've just had the fan on this entire time and not enough. So I get the bright idea to take the lid off of it, turn the thing all the way up to like 500 and, and, and let it go for an hour. Well, I ended up getting a, a this raw uh, pork that was burnt to a crisp on the outside. And that's basically what I had to present to my chef. And, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the uh what was one of the hardest lessons that that because i you know you're you're around your peers and you're around people who uh are looking at you and you know i i was probably the youngest in my class when i went to cia and so i i felt like i had a lot to prove around these older guys and boy that it was it was so humbling i i still get a little nervous every time i i, I think about that chef and how she just came down on me but you know it was well deserved and i i come down on cooks all the time and you know, only to make them better, and and uh, well, I was uh, I was I was so scared. I mean, it, it, CIA was a scary place back then. <laughs> well, that was quite the fall on the ass, Jeff. But I mean, if you could just like <laughs> pick like one lesson to be taken away from this experience, what would you say it was? Well, you know, I probably should have probably should have checked the oven after you know a half an hour, not three hours. You know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing in class that day, but I wasn't paying attention, and uh, you know. For me, it's 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 constant checking and rechecking and making sure that everything's perfect, you know. And uh, attention to detail. It's that attention to detail, and I, you know, I threw that roast in the oven like I was hot shit. And, <laughs> you know, didn't bother looking at it until it was too late, and and then uh, then turned around and just royally screwed it up some more. And uh, you know, and the other thing is too, a lot of times, and I tell my cooks, you know, this is probably one of the, the most important things is I probably should have just presented it to the to the chef and said, Hey, I've got a problem here. How do I fix it mm-hmm. instead of fix it myself? And, you know, I got a lot of young cooks that, that constantly try and fix their own problems. And, you know, either they're scared or, or they don't know to come tell me and, or my sous chefs. And, and, uh, a lot of times we can get through anything is all you got to do is just let me know there's an issue. And, um, that, that was probably where I really, really screwed up was I, I probably should have just went to the chef and said, we got an issue and, and I don't know how to fix it. Awesome. You know? I love that you were able to pull out <clears throat> attention to detail 
and communication as being so incredibly so crucial to the success in this industry. And that's kind of what I learned from that story. And I yeah, think, definitely. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Chef, we have powered through the first part of this interview. Uh, I feel like I know you so well now. And it's time for you to just drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. But before we do, we need to take a second just to thank our sponsors. Listen, you want to wow your guests and not just give them another ordinary experience. This takes training, and with Sales Stars training, your staff becomes powerful brand ambassadors for your restaurant, which builds your business. Often, your customers, well, it's their first time visiting your restaurant, and they don't know what makes your restaurant great, or they don't even know what they'll enjoy. Your staff are trained to make recommendations your guests will love by educating, informing, and entertaining at every stage of the meal, every table every time your guests have more fun while your restaurant makes more money now that is a win-win sales stars is proven to build team spirit and communication lower staff turnover and double your check averages while giving your guests dining experiences they'll rave about seriously what else do i have to say check out sales stars today at www.restaurantsrockstars.com for a 60-day, no-questions-asked, money-back guarantee. And guess what? Just because you're listening to Restaurant Unstoppable, you will get 10% off at checkout by entering promotional code DEAL. All right. Are you ready to drop some bombs of knowledge on a chef? Yep. All right. right. (laughs) Let's do it. So my first question for you, chef, is what advice do you have for funding a restaurant and getting that capital? Well... I think the most important thing is, you know, especially if you're if you're going out and looking for money, is to is to really find people who, um, you know, I'm lucky because I have a, a an owner and, and uh, uh, somebody who who leases me a building who's very passionate about food, and so I think you find somebody who's not just got great business acumen, but understands what you're doing as a chef and mm-hmm. understands what you want to accomplish. Um, you know, I've had friends of mine that have gone out and opened restaurants and have a really hard time with, with their with their financial people because, you know, this is not an industry where you're making a ton of money your first year, maybe not even your second year. It's it's something that you you really work into and, and you develop and you you bust your ass and work hard and 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 the reward is you know ten years from now, not necessarily six months in. You know, and that's so find people that understand your industry definitely. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing. You know, people who dine. You know, maybe you're a chef de cuisine or a sous chef somewhere and you're looking to go do your own thing. Look who's in your restaurant eating, you know, look who those those financial bankers are and people like that, you know. Awesome stuff. So my next question, Chef, is what advice do you have for hiring good people? Well, I you know, I'm a I'm a big believer in just hiring personalities. Mm-hmm. Um I, I find that, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I can teach uh, just about anybody. Um but I look for I look for those personalities, those people who are going to work hard. Um, when I interviewing servers or front of the house people, bartenders, you know, um, is this somebody I want in front of my customers? You know, I, I, I can teach you how to make a drink, but uh, do I, you know, do you, are you going to take care of my guests the way I want you to take care of them? Um, and I think too often than not, sometimes and and we get tied up in the fact that oh, you know, this person was a mixologist in Brooklyn or this mm-hmm. person you know, did this or did that, but, you know, that's different. You know, I want to hire people who are a lot like me and, and, uh, uh, 
who are going to enjoy working with me and I'm going to enjoy working with them and it's not going to be tension. And um, like I said, I, I surround myself with really good managers, sous chefs. Um, we can teach, we can teach you. It's uh, the one thing I can't teach you is service. Mm-hmm. So chef, you said you, you look for personality. I mean, what's one question, one unique question you like to ask these people to kind of uncover that personality? Well, number one, I, I love to ask people where they like to eat mm-hmm. um, and why, because I think it, you know, it, I look for that, that answer that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not, you know, based on the food. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I love going to this steakhouse because the bartender knows my name or I love going to this place because the, the server one time did this, you know, I look for those, those answers. Um, and, and obviously it's based on food too. I want, you know, I want people to know uh, great food because we're going to be, you know, they're going to be steeped in it and they're going to be learning uh, my type of cuisine. But I, I really, uh, I like to see, you know, for me, you need to go out and get those experiences. And I tell my cooks and servers all the time, you know, and, and pre-shifts and stuff like that, I'll, I'll single people out and go, tell me where you ate recently. And, you know, uh, and, and if I find out that they're not going out and eating and having those experiences, they're not going to be able to progress here. That you, you, uh, you bring something up that reminds me of Nancy Batista Caswell, of Caswell Restaurant Group up in the Northeast here in uh-huh. Massachusetts. And what she, the one thing she does, which was really cool, was she provides an allowance to her staff to go out. She, like, rewards them with an allowance to go eat someplace. Uh, but part of that deal is we'll pay for it, but you have to go learn something and bring it back to us. Right. Which I think was so cool. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of anybody doing something like that. No. When, when I worked for Ralph, he used to do that for his managers, and it was great, you know, because – this is an industry, you know, let's be honest, it's an industry where not everybody's making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so for me as a young manager working for Ralph, being able to take my wife out, um, knowing that, you know, uh, Ralph probably paid for that lunch I had at August that day, you know, I mean, to, to be able to uh, go out and learn and see what other people are doing. And, you know, it's a great, it's a great idea. And, and I'm always pushing my people to go out and try new things. And, um, you know, it, it could be not, it doesn't even have to be the fanciest restaurant in town. I don't care if you go in, enjoy a, a, a slider at a food truck, but what was great about it or what didn't yeah. you like about it, yeah. you know? so Totally. It kills so many birds with one stone because, I mean, you're rewarding your employees. They're learning something. Um, everyone just feels like they're appreciated. It, it's a win-win all around. It's great stuff. And not to mention you're also helping out the other restaurants in your community. Yeah. So it's all – it's great stuff. And I'm yep. doing it again. I'm getting off course. I always do this. So uh, <laughs> next question I have for you, Chef, is uh, when you find these great people with those awesome personalities, <clears throat> like you said you look for, how do you keep them on your team? Well, like I said, I, I'm looking for people who are a lot like me, people who are going to push themselves, people who want to learn. And so for me, uh, as a chef, I, and this is something I learned from John, is, you know, the uh, I have to constantly push the menu and I have to constantly push uh, changes to the wine list and drink list and, and, you know, keep it interesting because nobody wants to come in here, not my employees and not my customers and find a very stagnant, uh, menu that they could have got six months ago. And so we're constantly changing. And one of the comments I get from a lot of the customers is, Oh, wow, I I haven't seen this yet. And, you know, it keeps them coming back, but that also keeps the employees coming back. They, they get excited. You know, when I put something new on the menu, those first couple of nights, we sell out every time because they're so excited for that something new. Now, I tell people all the time, you can just go work at a chain restaurant and make the same money you're making and never have change and just be, you know, very blah, 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 if that's what you want to do. But people come to work here because it is so different. We are doing, you know, our menu changes on a nightly basis, you know. 
Mm. So when you're changing things so quickly, how do you keep everybody so knowledgeable? I mean, what things well, do you do to help them stay, you know, just just up with, with everything you're doing with all these changes? Yeah, it's all about the knowledge. It's all about, you know, expressing that passion you have in a dish or, you know, like when we change the wine list, they all get handouts on that new wine. Uh, we talk about it. We talk about what it's replacing. It's, it's you know, it's that knowledge. It's that power because when, when you go to the table and, and you've got all this knowledge in your pocket and all that, it just – it makes your job so much easier. And when, as a as a chef or as a young cook, if I explain to you how the sauce is made, or if I can explain to you proper grilling technique, or why you're sautéing this particular vegetable this way as opposed to the way we we did a carrot or whatever it might be, you know they have that knowledge. They're armed with that knowledge, and it just gives them that much more power to do a great job. What mediums do you use to arm them with this knowledge, though? Are there training that you provide? Like, is there is it in a book? Like, how do you get this information to them? Is it just verbally? Well, verb- yeah, especially, you know, we have pre-shifts with all our staff every day. You know, so it's verbally we talk about. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're very market-driven, our, our menu. And so a lot of times I take the sh- uh, cooks and, and chefs to the market. Every, every month I go, uh, I have an hour drive to Johnson City to pick up a 300-pound pig. So I usually okay. take a different cook or I take somebody with me and we can talk and mm. we, can, we can, they can. Because, you know, understanding where that pig is coming from. And how hard we have to work to get that pork chop, you know, as we as we drive that hour there, an hour back, and then process that entire hog, and then cut those chops, and then, you know, whether we're sous vide those chops or whatever it is, that cook's going to have a lot more respect for that chop than one that just comes out of a box that says Cisco on the side, you know. Mm. Um, awesome. One thing I just want to point out, which sorry. I just found really really valuable, Chef, is that. We all have the same amount of time in a day, but you just shared something with us. You know, take somebody with you on that long car ride if you're going, if it's, if it's related to food. I mean, those are great opportunities to educate and to not only educate yeah. your staff, but for you to educate yourself on your staff. Find out what makes them drive. And maybe you might learn something about them that you didn't know, like a skill they might have that you might be able to leverage to get your business. At. I mean, but I mean, the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, just use that time wisely. And I think that's a great way to wrap up this question, unless you want to add something to that. Well, I would only finish by saying, you know, people, um, and and this might, this might go back to your last question about how keeping good people and and people want to know you care. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a long car ride and you're asking somebody about their family, it means that you really give a, you know what about them and Mm -hmm. you care about them. And they're not just some employee who comes in here and clocks in and clocks out, you know, you, and that way, Next time you see them, you can say, hey, how's your daughter doing? Or, hey, how's the wife these days? You know, and, and you know, we're a family here. You know, we, I can't do this by myself. I'm, I'm not some sort of rock star who's just in here doing it all. And it's never been about me. It's, it's always been about the team and, and, and the employees and, and my management and, and, and all of us together creating something great. Mm, I love it, Chef. I really do. Okay. we got to move on to the next question. And yep. that question is about a restaurant or personal growth book. I mean, I, one thing I've learned that th- this podcast is about personal growth, and the reason why it is is because you know if you if you want to be successful, you need to make yourself great, and one way to do that is through reading. So, is there a resource that you can think of, whether it be a book or a website, that is just like a must read for somebody in this industry? Oh wow, I love it. Um, well, even if you're a chef, I I tell you know I make my managers they you, you need to read Setting the Table with. Mm-hmm. with Danny Meyer. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a shame it wasn't written sooner. I mean, it's just a, a wonderful wealth of knowledge and I keep it on my desk and, 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 and look at it all the time. Uh, our, our office here at the restaurant is, is 
probably got about two to 250 cookbooks in it and my sous chefs and everybody has access to them. And, um, you know, I love, I'm always online studying and learning. I love, uh, I, I read Eater a lot because it's quick snippets of things. Um, uh, and then one of my favorite books slash magazines that I love, um, reading is, uh, Art Culinaire mm. because, um, it's 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 kind of like getting a free i mean a new cookbook every four months mm-hmm. um, or every three months excuse me and um it's always up on all the newest trends and it's always um just really well done the photography's beautiful and the plating's just extraordinary and it's always chefs that um that seem to be pushing themselves and guys that 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 i want to be like and continue to be like and um you know, I, I, I appreciate, you know, chefs that, that go out and write books. Um, one that I've been, been really enthralled with lately is um, uh, Ben Ford's Taming the Feast. Mm, that's a new one. Tell me about that real quick. When it comes to cookbooks, which I love buying and love reading, it, it's, it's one of those books that, that I feel, you know, sometimes you can tell when a chef's holding back. Ben did not hold back. He put <laughs> every bit of knowledge into this book. And it's all about cooking for large parties and, and large family cooking and stuff like that and cooking out and doing crab boils and making pie and stuff like that. And so not only does he tell you how to roast a hog, he tells you how to build the damn roaster and he gives you the, uh, um, he gives you the dimensions and the materials to use and how to build it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I don't know if you know, Ben, he's a chef out of LA. He has a Ford's filling station. He's, the son of Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. Wow. Who also used to be a carpenter back in the day. And so Ben's definitely picked up this, this carpentry and he's very good at building things. And so the book is, is just amazing, full of knowledge on, uh, cooking for just groups and parties and, you know, that, that backyard cookout for 20 people. And it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's an amazing, uh, wealth of knowledge almost to the point where i i felt like calling him and telling him he gave away too many secrets <laughs> yeah if you guys are interested in these resources and you're searching for a pen don't worry about it. just go to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash steve McHugh and you'll find all the links to everything we talk about right there awesome so we got to pick your your brain now on marketing i mean what would you say your best piece of advice on marketing is well it, it, you know I'm a 40 year old guy now and I still having a hard time keeping up with social media and it's something that I try to be good at. But I think for me, probably the most important thing that I've done is I've, I've hired those people and surrounded myself with those people who, who can do it with me and for me. Um, you know, I think, uh, social media and public relations are huge and I don't think, uh, enough, uh, chefs, put enough stock into that um yeah there's a cost involved but i think the the payback is 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 a lot more than than what you're putting in um and you know like i said with social media i'm not the best at it and so i can sit here and have a conversation with somebody who does it for me and they can write it in my voice and it's not necessarily me sitting there trying to figure it out and uh but you make a great point to surround yourself. I mean, that's what type B personality people do. They they know where they're not strong, but they know how to find people who are strong to 
to fill in and then you know they're not headstrong trying to do everything themselves they know the best way to everything but you i mean i think that's one thing we can learn a great piece of advice to surround yourself with those people who are strong in those areas it's great stuff yeah i mean even other than marketing you know i mean when when i started this process i i i partnered up with obviously my wife and and my brother and um uh you know somebody asked me you know well why do you want to partner up with your brother and i said well he's He's got a master in uh, finance yeah. and he's a CPA. And those are things I know nothing about. Yeah. It's so, and yeah. do I want to waste time paying invoices and, and doing payroll all day long? Or do I want to get in the kitchen and, and cook and be a mentor and, and, and make great food? And mm-hmm. so, you know, awesome it, 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 it's a perfect combination. And I just want to add one thing um, that I noticed in researching you and something that's come up a lot on the show from past guests is one thing that you do really well in marketing your restaurant and yourself is, I mean, you just get out there and you help so many people. And you not only are you the, the owner of Cured, but you're also, um, you sit on the chair, at the, you're an advisor for the Culinary Institute of America, Sandy, uh, San Antonio, right? The campus out in yeah. San Antonio. And then also with what you're doing with the, um, what is it, the American... Uh, sorry, I, I wrote it down. I'm looking at my nope. notes here. Um, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, you do work with them as well, right? Yeah, so I sit on that board as well. And I'm and sure you're, you're not doing this to, to get money. I, that's not the point that I'm trying to make. No, in fact, uh, usually with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, you actually have to give money to yeah. the board. But, um, and uh, it's a five-year commitment, and I signed up, and, and I've been very heavily involved with them ever since I was sick. and. Um, when I got the invite from the CIA here in San Antonio, it was just a no-brainer to be able to give back to the school that, that gave me so much and to, to, to lend my industry knowledge and, and advice to them on, on whether it's attracting more students or making campus life better and, and things like that. And then, you know, I also, um, the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau here in San Antonio, I'm on a, a culinary task force um, with a couple other chefs to to kind of uh, continue to promote San Antonio as a as a great food destination, and it's not some sort of weird uh, Tex-Mexy town where all you can get are tacos. You know, we've got great restaurants and great chefs here, and so we're working with them on on uh, a lot of their marketing and 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 promotional pieces to to uh, you know really uh, really promote San Antonio as a great um, food town, which it is. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, absolutely, it's important for me to to you know we when my wife and i did this we didn't want to look like some sort of hot shots who were just going to come to town and open a restaurant um it was important to continue to show people we're involved in our community and and uh we're here to give not not take you know yeah and you know what you're saying um this is one of the reasons why the show has evolved over these interviews to focus on the individual because what i've learned is that if you become if you focus on yourself on becoming a good person and helping others and just being as great as you can be and you do the things like you do you put that positive energy out there you're going to you're going to be successful because it will come back around to serve you and yeah. that's really um you know the point that i was trying to make and it when you get involved does so much for just you know keeping the name cured fresh in your community and all those things it's great stuff so um, I should add, Chef. I mean, we're going long. I usually don't go this long, but you've been spending so great. I, didn't, I don't want to interrupt. I'm fine. You. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure you're all set there. All right. So, Chef, the next question I have for you is on the topic of systems and technologies. I mean, there's so many new things coming out to market every day, and we can implement these systems and, and processes to like really leverage time and efficiency and profitability in our restaurants is there anything you're using front of house back of house or maybe just in your life as a restaurant tour to stay organized 
um, that you want to share with us? Well, you know, when you're opening a restaurant, you're, you, you're looking at costs and, and you're looking at, you know, maybe you're comparing ovens against each other to figure out the best process and at the same time save money, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that I just held my ground on when, when um, we were starting was that I wanted to have a um, uh, micro system for, for the servers. And, you know, it's not cheap. You know, it's probably the most expensive uh, POS system available out there. And you've got a lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, little handheld devices now, and you've got a lot of like Wi-Fi based, you know, uh, weird little POS systems that cost virtually nothing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so well, chef, you're spending all this money on a, a really expensive POS system, but where are you getting it back? What are the benefits of, of investing in something like that? Well, the great thing is, is, is the reporting that it, that it allows you to do. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that my, my brother, uh, who's our, um, accountant and does everything for us, is my partner, but he also doesn't live in San Antonio. He lives in Colorado. And for him to have the ability to go online and pull up all this reporting and accounting and look at um, reports and, and see if, you know, we're giving away too many um, giveaways or, you know, something's really selling or we have a discrepancy with a credit card. And you know, he has the ability to go in there and fix those things or look at those things. And, and you know, it's such a great tool for us because, He'll put together reports and then send them to us and and tell us, you know, hey, you know, this week your labor's up or, um, you know, this special you ran last week is really selling, but this one here is not doing so well. Or we had some issues here with clock-in times. You know, all those things, it's all on there. It's all in that system. And, and, and it keeps me from having to kind of be that guy. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I don't, you know... I let him pull all the information out and put the report together for us. You know that I can read a graph, but I, I can't put one together. You know, so absolutely, it really helps to, to have the ability to just pull all that information. There's more information on there than we're ever probably going to need, but knowing it's there and having the ability to fix it or change something or do something is is great. And so it's for me, it's an investment that that's paid off uh, tenfold. Awesome. So the next question I have for you, Chef, is if you could go back in time. To the day you graduated the Culinary Institute of America and you're – if you could go back in time to that version of yourself and give your past self one piece of business advice, what would it be? When it comes to business advice, you know, I think the – I thought I, I – I tried to come up with a realistic budget for this restaurant. But in, inevitably, I think I probably spent more and borrowed more than I ever wanted to. I think looking at – you know, now that I've actually built a restaurant budget and I understand um, how it all works and how it all comes together as a first-time uh, restaurant tour and somebody who'd never done it before, you know, um, I learned a lot in the back of the house working with John, but I never really w- worked and learned anything about like running the actual business, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I-, I wish I would have probably, you know, asked more questions of him and his partners on on. Uh, just how things like that operated and how they worked. And it's, it's been a very great learning opportunity for me. But, um, you know, when, when building that budget and putting together, there's so much in there that you just don't think about. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's tough. It's daunting sometimes when you're looking at a, a very large number. And, and, and we're very happy with the way the restaurant came out. We, we wouldn't change a thing. But uh, I wish I would have, you know, just uh, – maybe fine-tuned, combed it a little bit better, you know? 
Awesome. Great, great advice. Chef, I have asked you all the questions I have. What is one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more information or knowledge to our listeners? Well, you know, we talked a lot about um, my philanthropy and things like that that I try and do at the restaurant. We give money back every quarter to um, a different charity and and, and maybe uh, ask me where I got that from and, and why. And, and uh, I think... You know, my answer would be uh, my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, it for me, it's it's uh, kind of a bittersweet thing because she passed away about four months before the restaurant opened, mm-hmm. and um, she was a physician. And you know, I tell people that my mom was a doctor, and they think, "Oh, you must have grew up really rich." And that wasn't the case. I had a mom that um, who who grew up very poor and had a, a, a kind of a rough upbringing, and she had. 60% of her patients, over 60% of her patients were on some sort of public aid. And so she didn't make a lot of money as a doctor, but she always gave back and she always wanted to just be good to people. And, uh, you know, I think that she's probably looking on right now. I'm very happy with what we're doing here. And I think she probably helps me every single day run this restaurant. Awesome. I love it, man. I really do. That's a great way to put an end to this interview and we wrap up every interview chef by having you just call somebody out who's one restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest mentor here at restaurant unstoppable um wow that's great um <laughs> I, I i respect so many people in this industry i really do and and uh give me a list i'll get them all <laughs> oh geez well you know a good friend of mine that i that i worked with for years in new orleans mike galata he opened his own restaurant about a year ago as well uh it's called mofo in new orleans and uh i think you know he's taking on such a huge challenge by opening a vietnamese restaurant in a town that's just known for great vietnamese food but he's doing a hell of a job and he's putting his own twist on it in a way that's not cheesy or cheeky or weird like like you see in a lot of these weird little asian restaurant pop-ups and stuff and, and then um you know i've 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 made some good friends uh, austin is is our our neighbors to the north and uh, you know i i've made some good friends with uh, a couple gentlemen uh, there's a chef up there by the name of andrew weishart and he owns a restaurant called contigo and he just opened his second restaurant this year, and, and God bless him, he opened a uh, a restaurant called Gardener, and it's all based around vegetables and, and not necessarily a vegetarian restaurant, but vegetables are the key and the focus, and I think that he's doing something there that's really kind of unheard of in this part of the country, um, and he's doing a great job, and I think that for somebody like that to take a leap of, of faith in his clients and his customers, I, I think... Uh, you know, he definitely deserves a shout out and uh, he's, he's very inspirational. And, uh, you know, I think those two guys are, um, are, are, are very strong candidates. So it was Mike from MoFo? MoFo. And Andrew from Contigo and The Gardener. Yes, sir. All right. You look out, you guys. I'm coming after you. And, (laughs) (laughs) Chef, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to leave some contact information. If anybody wants to come work for you at Cured, or maybe they just want to kind of pick up the conversation or might have some further questions about something you you mentioned on the show. Uh, How can we connect? Yeah, of course. Um, So the website is Cured at Pearl. Uh, We're at the, we're located at the old Pearl Brewery here in San Antonio. And, um, as far as employment, you can go on that website. There's a link. Uh, it's called 
uh, it's a uh, jobs at cured at Pearl. And so you could click on that and, and that would come straight to me. And then, um, you know, my personal email is Steve at cured at Pearl. That second at spelled out. That's what always confuses people is, uh, <laughs> Steve at cured at Pearl. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're here and, and we're doing some fun stuff and San Antonio is a great city. And, and, uh, I think people are always surprised when, when they come, because I think, like I said, they have a different misconceptions maybe about what San Antonio is. And it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a town and it's, it's a wonderful city full of great people. I love it. Chef, you've been such a trooper. We're going on almost an hour. Thank you so much <laughs> Definitely. For, for dedicating your time and mentorship to us. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much. <laughs> another episode wrapped up. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We had another incredible guest like always. If you guys want more incredible guests like this, and you can think of somebody who would make a great guest mentor on the show, please connect with me by sending an email to eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I am always looking to add to this melting pot of mentors. And if you guys are really interested in getting the most out of this podcast, you need to head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools because I have a complete list of all the tools and resources and books that have been mentioned since episode one on the show. So do go check that out and uh, see what we have over there that can help you in your restaurant become unstoppable. Until next time, guys. Peace. Peace out.